Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And the project is to work through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. You're very welcome whether you're here for the first time or whether you've been following us along for well over 400 episodes now. And if you are here for the first time, why not consider clicking on the subscribe button and making a commitment to making the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily life. And if this is the first time you've been here, it's worth noting that there's a complete transcript of everything I say available in the episode notes of any audio version of the podcast, no matter where you're receiving it from. And you'll also find links to other places where you can connect to other aspects of my ministry. But with that said, we're off and we'll continue our time together working through the Gospel of Matthew. And I'll pop back at the end just to update you on a few things and say goodbye. But that's bye for now. Hi friends, welcome back. And we're continuing to work through what are called the Beatitudes and asking how we can know the blessings of God. Last time we heard Jesus say that blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. And now we've reached the point where Jesus says blessed are the merciful for they shall be shown mercy. Now it has to be said that a lot of people don't consider mercy too much of a virtue these days. And that's not a new thing. In fact, the Greeks and the Romans thought if you were compassionate that it was probably a sign of weakness. One philosopher called mercy a disease of the soul. And this was a philosophy that in many ways was carried right forward into the 20th century with the Nazis and their blood and soil ideology, which saw this specific teaching of Christ and the characteristic of compassion and mercy as a weakness. On the other hand, I suspect that all these people through history would still have wanted other people to show them mercy when they were vulnerable. I'm reminded of the old story, but it's worth repeating, about the lady who went to have her picture taken by a photographer and she reminded the photographer, I don't want justice today, I just want mercy. Now, there is a little bit of a problem with mercy for us, even from a biblical perspective. Because when we look at the scripture, particularly the New Testament, we see that normally the one who receives mercy, well, according to the New Testament, are normally sinners, right? As a matter of fact, the backdrop to the word mercy in the New Testament is a response to those who are living in misery, often self-caused misery, by the sin in their life. The thinking is that not only we, but Christ himself is motivated to show mercy to someone who's been brought down to a state of misery by the situation of their life, sometimes self-imposed. But look at this statement here, this statement in Jesus in verse 7 of Matthew. It says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. So really, we say, wait a minute, which is it? Is it the miserable sinner who will receive mercy? Or is it the merciful one who will have it returned to him who will receive mercy by giving it out to others? So we need to straighten all the side. So to do that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just make three fairly simple, straightforward statements about what I believe this means. 
Number one is the merciful, those who express mercy, will have been first shown mercy. Well, Paul writing to Titus helps us understand this when he says in chapter 3 of that letter, he saved us not because of the righteous things that we've done, but because of his mercy. So that's clearly putting the focus on the grace of God in Christ, isn't it? I hope we all know that salvation is by faith in that that when you come to believe in Jesus Christ and you trust in him as your saviour, then you are the recipient of mercy in that God grants us salvation. So the first statement is saying that the merciful will have already received mercy in the sense they've received it from God by being granted such a wonderful salvation. So this verse is obviously saying something about practicing mercy as we go beyond, as we live beyond that salvation point in our everyday lives. And that's radically more than just receiving favour from other people after we've shown them favour. The assumption of this verse is that if you've received mercy from God, forgiveness from God, the idea is that you should now be practicing mercy towards other people all other people, including those who do not even recognize their need of God, because you yourself were once in that state also. So you show acts of mercy to other people, to everyone in fact. There is a story of Calvin Coolidge. He was a past president of the United States way back in the 1920s. And it was said of him that he woke one morning in a hotel room to find a burglar in his room going through the pockets of his jacket that was hanging on the back of his door. It actually woke him up and he realised what was happening and he said to the burglar, please don't take my watch because there's something grave on it I want to keep. He then engaged in a conversation with the thief and discovered that he was actually staying in the hotel and he was a college student who'd come back to visit his family but he didn't have enough money to pay the hotel bill or even to buy a ticket back to the college where he was studying in a city in a nearby state. So Coolridge in conversation established that what he actually needed was $32. So he counted it out and gave it to him. Now I guess that was quite a lot of money back in those days. But he made an agreement, he made the thief promise, the potential thief promise, that he'd give him it back. With the transaction agreed, he then told him how he could exit the hotel so he could avoid his security team, who I would imagine themselves would have got into trouble if they'd known what has happened. And I suppose the big question you're asking is, wonder, did he get his money back? Well, he did in fact get his money back. Now, that is an example of someone practicing mercy. Practicing mercy, showing favour to someone who didn't really deserve it at all. But the point is here, Jesus is saying, you've got to remember that you were shown mercy in the first place. You received mercy, so you should practice it. So what is that about? What is that going to look like? And again, I'm going to keep reminding you that as long as we're in the attitude, this blessing that we receive as a result of these characteristics is in the main something that we receive in the future. Now, I don't doubt that merciful people, gracious people, people who practice that way of living will receive an element of that back in the present. But we both know, we all know, there are some people out there who are being merciful every day but do not receive any mercy back again. 
Sometimes merciful people get trampled upon. So the complete fulfillment of this blessing will actually be in the kingdom that comes in the future, when we stand before the Lord. The Bible clearly says it, and that's the point that has been made in the opening of this Sermon on the Mount. It's talking about the blessings we receive in the fullness of time. Not excluding the fact that there will be some benefits from it in the present. The next point I want to make, well, it would help for this next point if we could turn for a moment to James chapter 2. Now, those of you who have been with me from the beginning of my recent podcast journey may remember, may know, I worked through the book of James in a previous podcast I did called The Life Podcast, The Living in Faith Everyday Podcast. And you will discover that what we discovered there was that this form of mercy was exhibited at the cross. It was the case for all of us at the cross. We discovered this when we reached the point in James chapter 2, when James get to this point, and the issues he's dealing with at that time is what he calls partiality. In other words, the issue of showing favoritism to certain people. And James said that what we do should be done out of love and mercy, not because of people's status in society, but purely motivated out of love and mercy because we know that that is what's been shown to us. And James comes to this point in his letter when he says, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now this law of love, the one that tells us that we should express love to other people, that's what he's talking about here. But look at the second part of these verses, at what he says, if we're not doing that, have you noticed this statement? Now this is talking about the judgment seat of Christ and he's saying that when we stand before the Lord, if we have not lived a loving life, if we've not shown grace and mercy to other people, then we can't expect God to treat us in any differently than we've treated other people. So God is not going to show us that abundant mercy at that point. Now that does not mean you lose your salvation. I want to be very clear about that. It just means you lose the rewards that you may have gained in heaven. But look again at that verse. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Do you see that? In a sense, the judgment seat of Christ is a bit like facing a final exam. The final exam will mean you will be questioned, asked about how you live your life. And here, for us, are the answers to the questions that we're going to be asked that day. Did you live a loving life? Were you kind, gracious, humble, and did you show grace and mercy to others? Because when you stand before the Lord, mercy will triumph over judgment and you will gain blessings instead. If you've lived that way, you will gain the blessings instead of losing what you potentially might have had. All right, the third statement. All right, the third point I want to make is that the merciful will receive mercy. So the point I'm making is that the believer has a believer. We've received mercy. We've received forgiveness. But it's been done in order that we can practice those same characteristics to other people. And then we may very well receive some mercy back, some favor back in this life. But ultimately we will receive it at the mercy seat of Christ. 
So let me sum up this by concluding and saying that Jesus is teaching that the ones that are blessed in eternity are those who have lived this way and have expressed this internal righteousness through showing mercy and favour to other people. Remember the three Beatitudes we covered at the beginning? Blessed are the poor in spirit, which is dependent upon God, meaning internal righteousness shows itself primarily not by external acts, but by an internal attitude of heart. Now we can add to that here the hungering and thirsting after God's righteousness and showing mercy, which at the very beginning begins with a change of heart and a new internal attitude. Now to conclude today, I'd like to point out a couple of things. I said at the beginning that this is the very heart of the Sermon of the Mount. It's the heart of the Bible and it's the heart of living a godly life. But it's worth asking, how does this New Testament revelation by Jesus sit within the context of what the whole Bible says about the character of God? Because after all, these are godly characteristics that they were being called upon to develop. What is it that the Old Testament says about God? Well, people would say when it comes to the character of God, the one sentence that really sums up the Old Testament perspective is the fact that God is holy. In the Old Testament, God is seen to be holy, but it appears in the New Testament, this extra dimension is added that God is love. But how do these things sit alongside each other? And this concept, this is what these two Beatitudes are about. This New Testament teaching of Jesus is the teaching that combines and puts these two attributes in the one place. Righteousness and mercy side by side. Holiness and love. In Exodus chapter 34, Moses said to God, Show yourself to me. And God, we are told, declared himself to Moses. And if you look at that, it said it comes down to two basic things. In that chapter, it talked about living in truth and mercy. And John chapter 1 in the New Testament tells us God came down in human form in Jesus and that he was full of grace and truth. Again, those two aspects sitting side by side. That's why I say this is the heart of what God wants. He wants us, on one hand, to be committed to truth and justice, but at the same time express it through love and mercy, all at one and the same time. That's why Paul says in Ephesians, well, he talks about only ever speaking the truth in love. That puts it together for us because sometimes when we speak the truth that can hurt but our internal attitude should be never ever have an intention to hurt someone by speaking the truth. The intent should be never to hurt. Just like a dentist may stick a needle in your gum to numb the area but the point is not to hurt you. His motivation hopefully is to help you. So the intent for us has to be every time we speak is that we're trying to help. And we speak the truth, yes, but we speak the truth in love. Now sometimes we are not to speak the truth because we cannot express what we say in love. And we should certainly not speak it if it is not the truth at all, ever. Everything we say should always have a primary motivation to build people up in their relationship with God and Christ. Just because something is true doesn't mean we should say it. Just because something is true certainly doesn't mean we should repeat it. 
The measure of a Christian believer is not whether a statement is factually correct, it's whether or not by speaking it out we help build that people up in their relationship with God. But the other observation we need to make is this. The real point of this passage is to tell us that we need to hunger and thirst for this way of living. I really think that's the bottom line of what this blessings, uh, this beatitude is about. In fact, the whole thing going on here is asking us, how bad do you want to live this way? If you know the Lord and you know that you've been saved, then you should be hungering and thirsting after this. And if you don't hunger after it and you don't thirst after it, then you won't receive it and you will never be full. Which leads me to ask, and excuse my French, what are you full of? Some people are full of the love of God and some people are just full of themselves. They are not loving people and they aren't righteous either. You see, you've got to be full of the Lord in order to be loving and merciful. So the question then becomes, how great is your desire? How great is your desire to know the Lord's righteousness and to live that way? Is your desire to do that just one desire among many? Is it just one small desire competing against other greater desires? Or is it the passion of your soul? Do you say to yourself every day, I want more and more of this, Lord. I don't want anything else. And are you willing to pay the price that you will have to sometimes to get it? Are you thinking, I really want this. I really hungering and thirsting after the righteousness of God and the mercy of God. I want it really bad. I want that blessing. Johann Sebastian Bach was one of the greatest musicians in all of history. Now we know that, I'm sure, and obviously he clearly had a a tremendous gift for music from a long age, but it was also his passion. Now as a boy he discovered that his brother, who was also a gifted musician, kept a special book of compositions of some of the most established and famous composers of their day, and he wanted very badly to see that book. But for some reason his brother didn't let him see it, and he kept it hidden away in his study. The biographer said that Johann, as a child, got up in the middle of the night when everybody else was asleep and he would sneak down to the cabinet where it was kept and he would take it to his room and he would begin to copy it. And he did that for a few hours every night, returning it before sunrise. He so wanted to know the contents of that book and what it had to say that he did that for six months and made a complete copy of it. Imagine wanting something so bad that you were willing to copy it uh, out hand by hand all night, every night for six months. Now his brother found out about this just at the end of the process and he took it back and he locked it up and apparently Johann wasn't ever able to see it again. Well, not until his brother died more than a quarter of a century later. So that begs the question, what do you desire? How much do you desire? Because what you hunger and thirst after will determine what you seek out in life and will ultimately determine what you will be filled with. So let's hope that you're hungering after righteousness and that you're seeking out mercy and expressing it to others and you're doing it because God has been in your life and come into your life and thereby that you can also be filled 
with the blessings of God, not only in this life, but in the life to come. Okay, that brings us to the end of our fifth blessing, our fifth beatitude. I hope you're enjoying and benefiting from this, uh, well, amazing, amazing, world-changing passage of teaching. And like I said at the beginning, if you're here for the first time, why not make a commitment to make this part of the rhythm of your daily life and subscribe and receive the podcast every day. Every day, Monday to Friday, 20, 25 minutes of teaching working through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Within the episode notes of every podcast, there are links where you can pop through and look at other places where I make teaching available. There's uh, more structured discipleship courses available on my Patreon and my LinkedIn page, as well as some stuff on Facebook and, of course, the YouTube channel which now will sit as a depository for the archive of the audio files of this podcast, because as it gets bigger and bigger and more seasons carry forward, my plan is to store long format versions of the teaching uh, within playlists identified by each book of the Bible, which I think will be easier for people to navigate and they'll find it more helpful that way. But I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for each and every one of you who encourage me by just choosing to make the Bible study daily podcast part of their daily lives and are joining us every day. Thousands of us now, in fact. And a particular thank you to those who have felt prompted by God to partner with me in this work by uh, becoming a patron of my ministry. I really do appreciate it and I could not do it without you. But that said, that's it for today. I've loved being with you. I've loved being in the Word of God today. And I trust I'll see you back here tomorrow. Well, it'll be tomorrow for me. Whatever day it it is, you you receive that pop-up in your podcast provider. And we'll enjoy working together through this Gospel of Matthew and this amazing passage on the Beatitudes. So I'll see you tomorrow. Bye for now.